All right. So church, we're kicking off the new year with a new series. Uh, pretty simple. This is Mystery Month is what we're calling it. We're going to be talking about various ideas, topics, uh, doctrines, and we're not going to let you know until it's that week. Um, we have just some basic things that we want to cover. Normally, we're kicking off the new year in um, some Old Testament book. We've gone through Haggai. We've gone through Nehemiah. Um, we've been through Esther. What you, you look at when you see those stories is you see... Uh, there's revival happening. So we've always found it fitting to jump into some sort of revival at the beginning of the year. No, that doesn't mean we're having a Sunday evening and a Wednesday evening uh, service this week. Uh, but we do want to, to just touch on some basics. And this morning we're going to be uh, dealing with the question is why do we do good? Um, later on we're going to be uh, dealing with discipleship and evangelism um, in the church uh, this month. But um, every pastor is going to preach this month. So um, everybody's going to be getting some reps, so it's Mystery Month. Who's going to be preaching next week? I don't know. I do, I do know, um, otherwise we'd be double prepping, but I know, and that's for you guys to find out. But we're really excited because we think it is important to just refresh our, our minds uh, periodically and to be reminded of some basic truths. And if maybe it hits you a little bit differently uh, this morning or throughout this month, don't think, oh, man, I'm, I'm slacking. I'm, I'm not doing my job as a Christian. No, this is a good refresher for everybody, right? Like this is something that we all need to do from time to time is just step back and remind ourselves of some basic truths from God's word. Before I, I dive in uh, too much further, we only have one announcement this morning. That's next week starting at 5 p.m. We're having a love feast. Um, so that's a, a big potluck. You can sign up for a dish to bring at the cafe on your way out this morning. Um, Tammy and Robin have headed that up together to, to do the love feast from 5 to 6. And at 6, we're going to have our annual church meeting. We're going to talk about uh, 2021, uh, what it held for us, everything that happened, celebrate um, goals that were reached, milestones that were um, reached, and we're going to talk about the vision for 2022. So we're really excited for that. So make sure if you're a member that you're here, if you're not a member, it's also a great way to uh, get some food, enjoy the fellowship, and also hear about our church family. And we're going to be voting on one thing, and uh, we're going to be voting on Pastor Simon as a pastor, official pastor of the church. So um, again, as we said last week, we have put our official, uh, your pastors, both Gary and myself, have put our stamp of approval on Brother Simon. He, we see that he meets the qualifications laid out in Scripture, and hopefully, as you all have seen over the past two years, he loves and serves you guys um, at a capacity that I think pleases the Lord. All right, so this morning we're, we're dealing with the question, why do we do good? And I think it's pretty, pretty easy to understand why we would start out here. Why do we do good? Because we're at the, the first of the year, and we're dealing with New Year's resolutions. Because we've, we've turned the page, you know, some of you bought new calendars, right? And, and you're ready for this new year. You've got everything ready to go. Maybe some of you are like me, and one of your resolutions is just, let me be more uh, prepared. Let me be more organized. So you go out and you get a planner, and then it, it's a waste. And you understand, like, you're trying to figure out, like, okay, how can I make this planner work for 2023 if I shift the days? Because we just get behind. But, but the beginning of the year seems to be like this fresh start. So it, it, it begs the question of why do we do good? Why do we, why do we seek to do good? Why, why do we want and desire to do good things? So that's the question we're going to be dealing with this morning. Why do we do good? And there's three things I want to look at um, as we ask. I want to look at goals. I want to look at goodness. And I want to look at glory. First off, goals. 
Goals are good, right? Amen, church? Amen. Goals are good to set. This is not a trick question. I'm not going to be like, you know, goals are, are made for the pagans. So, like, you know, goals can't be set. No, goals are good. Uh, goals are necessary, I believe, in life. Uh, we, we set goals and we strive to accomplish them. There's nothing wrong with setting them. So do it and stick to it. Actually, mankind... We are created and commanded to be diligent people, to be a diligent creation. Amen? We can follow with that. We are meant to be diligent in the work that we do and that we were created to do. We were created to glorify God. Well, because of the fall, we need to be diligent in making that happen. So it's January, what are, what are we in? January 2nd. I don't know. It's been like a whole year since I've looked at a calendar. Um, you know, it's been last, last year. Pastor Gary was told to stay home because of his uh, jokes. Uh, last year, we were like, hey, we're just going to keep you home and um, no jokes. So I, I have to fill in a little bit. But they're good, right? We, so it's January 2nd. You're two days in, and you made the decision this morning to go and to worship Jesus, right? To get up when you didn't want to. You know, there's, there's a lot of families I see that are missing, and I know exactly where they were two nights ago trying to entertain their kids until midnight. So they're catching up on sleep, right? And it happens, right? Some of those things, they happen. Of the fall, we have to be diligent in worshiping our God. It's not something that comes natural. It's actually unnatural to our nature, which Paul says that we are children of wrath by nature. So we have to strive and be diligent even in just worshiping. Mankind is meant to be diligent. Men, men, you were, you were told to be diligent, to go into work the fields, to provide for your family, right? Like this isn't like some... 2021 or 2022 sermon where we're just trying to like aim at the men and men be aggressive and men be men. But, but there's a calling and a command that God from his word has, has given to us that men are to go out and to work the field and to provide for their families. We are to get things done. And oftentimes we're making goals and then getting them done, right? A lot of you are, are checklist people. Those are goals, right? Come up with a, a checklist and you're going through it and you're checking it off. Everything that you've done, all right, that one's done. I'm moving down the list. All right, that goal's accomplished. And my wife, even, she just put it up on our um, refrigerator list, and it says, get things done, make goals. We didn't even talk about this, and I was thinking about it all week. And then she puts that up, and I'm like, that's good. We need this. All right, we're going to do a sword drill. You kiddos, grab a Bible. There's no Bibles under the seat. We rearranged, and we didn't get the Bibles back out yet, but you can grab a parent's Bible or a phone. You can bring it up to me uh, with the Bible, not just the phone, please. To Proverbs 13.4. Proverbs 13.4. And while the kids are turning there, I want to remind you, the first Sunday of every month is Family Sunday. That means we keep the bigs, that's our elementary age class, in for the entire service because we take communion. Uh, a lot of them are professing faith in Christ as their Lord, so they need to partake. It's a command from the scriptures, and it's also good to be a part of the whole service. Gwen, awesome. Proverbs 13.4. You can just hold it up to me. Proverbs 13.4 says this. The soul of the sluggard craves... And gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Let me read that again, church. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. One second, Gwen. Here you go. Thank you for doing that. All right. So it says the soul of the sluggard, right? Like the lazy one, right? When I, when I played baseball as a, as a child... Um, I, was, I was called Jet Meadows. It was like calling me a slug. Uh, it, was, it was like a condescending remark, right? Like, I'd hear it from my buddy Johnny's mom. I'd take off the first, and she's like, there goes Jet Meadows! And I'm like, 
All right, like, I'm five, and I know that you're calling me slow, right? So this is what this is talking about from Proverbs 13.4. The soul of the sluggard, the, the, the lazy one, craves and gets what, church? Nothing. Nothing. But it says the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Now, I'm not twisting that. We're not going into any prosperity message. If you're diligent, you go out and work 50 hours a week. It doesn't mean that you're going to have this big, beautiful mansion. It doesn't mean that you're going to drive the most luxurious cars. But something my dad and all of West Virginia taught me as a child, and even to this day, is that if you want, you go get. Right? If you want, you go get. You go and you, you work hard to get what you want. To be diligent. And from God's very word, it says the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and this was a concept that I understood. This is a concept that much of the world, even though it doesn't seem to be clicking with a lot of culture today, but if you want, you've got to go and get. Now let me make it clear, we are too for our brothers. There are times when, when people are hurting. There are times when, when life happens, this fallen world hits our brothers and sisters and our community very hard. But in our serving and meeting their needs, we should also be helping them to, to be restored and to back up on their and make things happen. Amen? That's what we want to do. So goals are good. Goals are not something that we as Christians should just be pushing back against. Oh, well, what is your goal, right? Now we're going to get into like, the, the, the reasoning behind your goals, right? Like if it's working out, like why are you working out? Why are you cutting out pop? Are you, are you just trying to, to get your, you know, uh, waistline back? Like, you know, like you're trying to lose like some of that, that baby fat my mom says I still have. Like are you trying to get rid of some of these things so that you can just look good? We're going to get into to why meaning or the purpose of our goals matter. But goals in and of themselves are a good thing. And the proverb that we just read, teaches us that there's a blessing to diligence and a curse to laziness. It's something we should not soon forget. First Timothy 4, you can write these down for later, and I think a lot of them will be on the screen. First Timothy 4, 6-8. I, I, lo- I love this, this little passage here. Paul is writing to Timothy, this, this young, aspiring pastor and church planter, right? We see uh, Timothy... Receiving these words from Paul in 1 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8, and he says, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So we see Paul telling Timothy to train himself, right? There's a goal there that as Christians, we're we're striving to the goal. We're striving to be spiritually sound, doctrinally sound, growing and being sanctified in our faith. And what he tells me, he says, while bodily training is of some value, right? So some of those goals are, are good, right? Some of you want to go and you want to just get ripped. You want to have strong muscles. And a lot of you have good reason to do so, right? I want to be able to, to work the field, right? Some of you all seen you with axes and splitting wood, and I'm like, ah, call that person up. That's why we're church family. I can have you do that, and I can help you with computer stuff, I think. Like, I, 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 we're just supposed to help each other out, but... Paul said that 
there's some good with bodily training. There's some value. But what does he say? Bodily training is of some value. Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. That, that there's this, this dual uh, benefit of being trained in godliness. That it benefits you here and now to praise God, the triune God, to praise Him, to deal with the life circumstances as we face them, that in the midst of a trial or a tribulation that God will be praised by us because of our spiritual training, but also that there's value in the life to come. See, this is why like, I don't set those workout goals, right? I'm like, I want to take care of my body, right? But I know that me and Pastor Mark are going to be on the same level playing field in heaven. You can bench, you can bench 200 now. I'll be able to bench 250 in heaven, right? Like we'll all be the, the same as far as that goes, right? And Paul tells Timothy that it's the spiritual things that matter. It's the spiritual training that is for here and to come. So goals are good, church. But I think we need to raise the bar and start start setting some spiritual goals. And it's so easy to be like, well, we're fallen human beings. We're still going to sin. But we're also not going to be trained. We're not, we're not going to be disciplined in the, the word and in, in the reading of God's word and, and praying to God and, and teaching and catechizing our kids according to God's word. We're not going to do that if we aren't setting spiritual goals. You see, it's so easy to, to look at the tangible things and, yeah, I want to I lose a little bit of weight by the summer. So in January, I've got all that, that sugar I just ate. You know, Miss Violet made me some, some peanut butter cookies, and I've got that to lose. But let me tell you something, church. Our goals should really be focused on God. And then why do we do goals? To be good, typically. So the second thing I want to look at is goodness. So we set goals, and, and typically it's, it's focused around some kind of good. But the scriptures say that no one is good. Now, this is crazy, right? Like, you're, you're here, and you're in this Baptist church this morning, and you're like, of course he's going to say, no one is good, right? Here we go. He's about to preach hellfire and brimstone. He's from West Virginia. He's about to bring down heaven, right? We can bring down heaven, but I'm not going to bring hellfire and brimstone talking about no one is good. I want to talk about the basic truth of that. I believe that this is an important foundation for us to lay this morning of what good is. Like, what does it mean when the Bible says no one is good? What does it mean? You see, our deeds and our goals may be good, but we must remember that we are not. Our nature is not good. Our inclination is, is not toward holiness. It's toward sinfulness. That's our nature. So we are typically drawn to the one and, and rejecting the other. And that's why as a Christian, it's important to train ourselves and set spiritual goals so that we could focus on glorifying God and, and giving him the glory that he so deserves while being sanctified according to his word. Why am I hammering this at, at this point? Why am I hammering home that, that we are not good? It's because a lot of our goals and resolutions are not for our betterment or even the good of those around us, which isn't necessarily good either. But oftentimes, our goals are self-centered 
and a way of moral atonement. What do I mean by that? I mean that, that for us and our nature, our sinful as Christians are fighting off, we've died to in Christ Jesus, right? We try to atone for our sins by our moral actions, as if Christ's sacrifice on the cross wasn't enough. As if we could be better this year and find salvific favor with for last year. Like January's hit, maybe December you're like, I'm not on Santa's naughty list, but I'm on God's naughty list. So come January 1st, I'm going to get it together. There's just, you know, some kind of magic that happens. And you've got to make up for the last year by doing a lot of outwardly good things this year. Man, you know what I'm talking about. You already you you maybe this past year with your wife had a terrible week. So on one day, right, like Monday through Sunday, you were awful. You didn't do anything to help out. And then Monday of the next week rolls around, you get her flowers, you cook her dinner, you rub her back, you rub her feet. Like four things one day, it's like, come on, man. It's like a whole week of bad, and you're not going to get it all back together with four things of good, right? And ladies, you know what I'm talking about too, right? Like if Aubrey were in here right now, she'd tell you, yeah, I know when you're trying to make up for it because you just like pile it all into like one setting. And it doesn't work that way. And it definitely doesn't work that way with God because as his word says, no one will be justified by works of the law. For if anybody was justified by works of the law, we wouldn't need Christ on the cross. But church, we do need Jesus Christ on the cross. We need to look for, to his atonement and the substitutional atonement that he, he had in our place. He was the substitute. So when I say no one is good, what I'm saying is, is no one is holy apart from God. And I'm not just saying no one is good. The scriptures say it. Sword drill, kids. Romans 3, verses 9 through 18. Romans 3, verses 9 through 18. Bring me the Bible when you got it. Yeah, Josiah. Absolutely, you can use your mobile app. All right, here you stay right there, and you can pick out something from that basket. Here is what it says. Romans 3, verses 9 through 18. What then? Are we any better off? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They deceive their tongues. Vipers' venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Thank you, Josiah. So Paul is actually taking several psalms. He's not mixing and matching, even though this is a little bit of a remix, right? It's, it's, it's going kind of out of order, but it's in order in the sense that it says, no one is good, no, not one, that comes from a psalm, right? No one is righteous, not even one. That comes from another psalm. And he's, he's laying the foundation not to beat us up into pit of our own pity, right? Like we just dug this hole and now we just want to go crawl inside and cry. 
He's pointing us to our need for Holy God and the flesh of man who paid the price for his people. Like when we look at our depravity, it leads us to the cross of Christ. It should not lead you to your own pity. It should not lead you to your own demise. It should lead you to the Lord, your God. He says, no one is righteous. No one does good, not even one. R.C. Sproul says, referring to this passage, he says this passage refers to doing good absolutely, with one's motives governed fully by a desire to honor the Lord. In comparison to others, some people can rightly be called good, end quote. But Christians, Christians, us, if you believed in the gospel, Christians should be less concerned with relative acts of goodness and more focused on the act of Christ on the cross that calls sinners to repentance and Christians to holiness. You see, so often this kind of passage would bug us because we're good. And maybe my five-year-old will tell me, Dad, I'm good. And depending on the moment, I'll be like, compared to what? Right? Like, like what? Like, it's been a rough day, May. Like, compared, like what are you comparing it to? And that's the thing is we, we live in relative world, right? Like where we're comparing things and we're like, I am good. Like I convince Aubrey, like when we watch Dateline NBC, I'm like, I'm a good husband. She's like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, like if we end up on that, I'm not, right? Like that, that's bad. Like you, you see bad stories. I'm a good guy. And that's the way that we live. We live in this comparison of I'm good because I'm not that. But the Bible says that no one is good, not even one. Romans, Paul also says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know what's beautiful about that? We don't have to figure out who has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Guess what? Everybody within these walls and every bit and every square inch of the world is in the same boat as us. Sinners standing before a holy God in need of the sacrifice that Christ Jesus made on our behalf. See, we know this. We know this by, by looking at uh, the past week leading up to New Year's. We know this by the past two days coming out of New Year's. It's like we've already fallen from our resolutions. We've already fallen from the kindness that we said we were going to hang on to this year. But you see, the reason we do good should not be focused in and of ourselves. It should not be focused on, on being just simply kind to other people because that's what, that's what the world wants us to be, Right? No, we are to do as God's word commands so that he may receive the glory. Point number three, glory. So why do we do good? To glorify God. The answer to the question and really the main point for this morning is we do what we do to glorify God. Literally everything we do ought to glorify God. Now, it's scary, right? You think of like some of the things that, that you do, and you're like, how can I glorify God through this? Well, if you can't, don't, right? Like, I mean, don't do it. Don't not glorify him. Just cut it out, right? Whatever it is that you cannot, if you're like, there's no way that I can make this holy. There's no way that I can redeem this. Then get rid of it. Cast it to the pits. Because everything we do ought to be to the glory of God. See, this will remain the biggest difference between believers and non-believers. See, we care about our bodies. We set goals for our bodies so that God may receive the glory. We can care about our finances and set goals 
Why? Because we want to be good stewards of the money and resources that God has given us so that God may be glorified. We can care about our parenting and set goals that we want to be more patient and more kind and more loving. Not that we can be good parents and our uh, kids won't remember us as Dateline NBC parents, but that they will look to our parenting and see the grace and goodness of God. As Christians, we understand that it's not about us. It's about Christ working in you and through you to bring glory to himself. So set those goals, but set those goals with the mindset that you want to reach that goal to bring God glory. You know, oftentimes we hear, your body is a temple, right? And that's why we set these goals. And Pastor Gary and I talk about this passage a lot, and I'm, I'm really dogmatic and hard on that, that passage being about sexual immorality, because it is, right? You read that passage, and Leading up to it and leading out of it, it's dealing with um, the, the church of Corinth. And I know we've got kids in here, but you can go and read everything that was going on. It wasn't good. People were selling their bodies in the church and through the church. When it's supposed to be in the church and through the church that Christ is living and running, right? And they were letting this infiltrate the church, and they were, they were doing it as an act of worship and just all kinds of crazy messed up stuff. But there is truth out of that that can be applied to our everyday life. That in your body is a temple, care for it. Why? So you can be the most ripped person in the gym? No. So that you can honor God through your body, being able to serve and go and serve our community, to care for our church family, to honor God. What does 1 Corinthians 10.31 say? Do we have that one up? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, right? I love how Paul starts here, eat or drink. And then it's like almost like he's, he's writing this and he's like, you know what? Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. He encompasses everything, literally everything you can do, do it to the glory of God. And if it cannot be done to the glory of God because it's irredeemable and sinful, cut it out. Literally everything. All right, last sword drill, Matthew 5, verse 16. Matthew 5, verse 16. Jude, thank you, buddy. Matthew 5, 16 says this. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Thanks, buddy. In the same way, let your light shine before others, right? Like, a lot of us, were, I want to go shine my light before others. Again, why, right? Like, what's the purpose of going and doing good? Why do we do good? Well, Jesus says this, that by your good works, right, so they may see your good works. They see it, right? And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, we, we read passages like, through our weakness, he's made strong, right? Like, he uses our weaknesses. What that means, church, is that he's using your weakness to glorify himself. Because people know that we're fallen. People know that when we go out and we do something good with the purpose of bringing God glory, church, he receives that glory. That when we go out, people see and they know, and we proclaim that God is working through a broken and sinful people like myself. And our hope is that they may bring him glory. That they may look to the cross and see that I'm not good. 
I'm not good. No one is. No one stands before the Father righteous and without condemnation unless they have the Son. So this year started off with drawing to the Father through the Son. If you're a believer this morning, what that means for you is that we need to recalibrate a little bit. It means that we need to take, take some goals. Some goals need to be cut out. Some goals need to be added in. But all goals need to be done to the glory of God. That everything that we do. Some of us need to, to really raise the bar and, and set some, some good spiritual discipline goals so that we may be trained in righteousness, trained in holiness, sanctified according to his word, And so those of you who are here this morning that have yet to profess faith in Christ, you need to draw near to God. Repent of your sin and believe in the gospel. Because you're going to set these goals and and you're going to realize two weeks in, maybe two days in, that we can't keep these goals. Guess what? Can't keep our goals. We can't keep the law of Christ. Can't keep the law of God. But Christ came so that you could be set free. And it is Christ who gives a spirit as a seal, as a down payment of the redemption that is to fully come later on. But it is because of Christ that we can live and we can go and do good works and bring glory to his name. Amen.